to episode three of Respect the Process. I am Kelly Hunter, alongside Chris Stewart, and I was listening this past weekend as you came back from halftime. Thank you. And you so well captured how we all felt at that moment because what it, did was, I say? it was something to the effect of, folks, I'm right there with you. It is three to three as we start the third quarter. Yeah. And I have to imagine, I, I'm going to take that back because this is me imagining, that if Nick Saban were to allow Ty Buckner and Tyler Simpson to play in a game this season and treat it almost like a scrimmage in a non-hostile environment aside from the monsoon, this was going to be it. Probably so. Okay. Probably so. By the way, just flat out cruel with the PTSD I've got from this weekend for you to wear South Florida green. I didn't mean to. I didn't no, no, mean to. That's okay. I was, this, was, is, this is lucky Kelly Green. Could have here. been worse. I, I thought but, that might be the case. But um, what, a, what a ball game. Yeah, I had a lot of people come up to me after the game Saturday or between then and now, half dozen or more. Golly, Chris, it sure was tough to watch that game I could hardly watch and I just said well at least you didn't have to describe it within FCC guidelines um, wasn't fun wasn't pleasant wasn't really good in any way except the defense the defense mm-hmm. was almost perfect um, the three points you gave up they had a short field because of the muff punt and handled that well holding them to three didn't give up anything the rest of the day I'm I'm not trying to sugarcoat what was a bad performance, but I'm going to be realistic about some true positives that were in that and kept what was a bad day from being an utter disaster, okay? You didn't turn the ball over, minus the one miscue that I referenced that led to the three points. So, and even the, the three incompletions that Ty Simpson threw on that first short field drive, that he had, two of those could have been uh, sacks for big losses, and he didn't take them. He somehow got the ball out of his hand, got an incompletion, didn't throw a pick, and so you had a very easy for Will Reichard field goal that made it 3-3 going to the locker room. That's not a thing to go crazy about excitement-wise, but that could have looked a lot different in that sequence. The fact that they didn't turn it over any additional times good the defense I thought was outstanding throughout the course of the day but also the final drive it's a 10-3 ball game Um, there's six and a half minutes to go if you go three and out right there South Florida is going to rush 40 people I know you're only allowed 11 but they would have tried it would have felt like it they got they got nothing to lose Mm -hmm. and you don't know what's going to happen in that set of circumstances. So the fact that you didn't punt it, you had your best drive of the day easily, marching that thing down the field, efficient, converted a couple of third downs, I think. Um, That was something that you're able to build off of. And I know from doing the TV show with Coach afterwards, he was proud of the guys Mm -hmm. for that. Again, you can be frustrated, disappointed, mad, disgusted, any phrases you want to use for things leading up to that. But I think they showed some character in being able to suck it up, get it done, and put that game away 
when you really needed to to take any kind of weird bounce or chance out of the equation at the end of that one. And that's really all we're going to talk about with South Florida because I think it's time to put that. I've exhausted what I could pretty much. In the rearview mirror because we've got much bigger fish to fry looking into this weekend. We go to week four. Mm -hmm. We're a third of the way pretty much through the season. It's crazy. This is not where Nick Saban wants to be or wants to be talking about going into a home game against Ole Miss. Is this what you would call a career-defining game? Because I heard a fellow Birminghamian, Paul Feinbaum, say that he is teetering right now in terms of what people think of him as the head coach at Alabama. You mean that Paul I know. made a uh, overstatement? An overstatement on what national sh- television. What a shock. I'm sure it wasn't done for attention at all. Never. Um, look, Nick, Saban's, Nick Saban could lose the next 15 games that he coaches in a row by 30 points each. He's still going to go down as one of the two best coaches of all time. It's him and Bear Bryant. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. In this state, you won't get any conversation uh, from anybody rationally that it's anybody other than those two. His legacy's fine. Are you talking about his future? That's a different story. You lose this ball game and look bad getting beat, uh, and then you allow a couple more to follow, it's natural that the chirping would not begin. It's already by some because that's what they do. You know, if you say something enough times, eventually you're going to be right. If you say the end's yeah. coming, the end's coming, the end's coming, the end's coming, well, eventually when it comes, you go, see, I told you. Right. And it will eventually come. Is it now? Is it later? Time will tell yeah. on this. This team is not as good to date as we thought they would be. That doesn't mean that in a month they won't look every bit as good as we thought they might look good. They're just not as dominant today as I and many others thought they may be. So the the rumors of his career demise <laughs> are way too pu- uh, premature. I'm not going to say they're uh, exaggerated because time will tell that. But Paul's made a very nice living for a long, long time overstating something with no concerns about having to deal with the repercussions if he's wrong. And he's not the only one. No, or any real backing or confidence or information. Uh, So on Monday, Nick Saban spoke rather briefly to the media in about nine minutes. But Mm -hmm. one of the few things he did say was seemingly that Milrow will be the starter. Jalen Milrow will, will be the starter this coming Saturday against Ole Miss. Do you think we will see more than one quarterback play? He could have gone for 49 minutes, and the takeaway still would have oh, been yeah, that, yeah. that it was Milrow. Yes. There's no doubt. Because that's what everybody wanted to hear and to know what was, was going to transpire with that position. Um, unless Jalen has an absolute meltdown, in which case you may see Ty Simpson again, I would be shocked if Jalen's not the guy as long as the game is in question. Um, He gives you the best chance. We saw that, I believe. The best chance at explosive plays. 
He is the most dangerous player on the field. He's just got to make sure that he's not dangerous to Alabama. Don't, don't throw the two picks that he threw in the Texas game where they're right to uh, an opposing player. Go make your big plays. But in fairness to him, he's also got to be put in position to do that. Everybody's got to do their job. We know that. And that includes the offensive coaching staff in designing things for him that he does best. And I think now that they are fully understanding he's your best option. Not that you're chucking the playbook. I don't mean that at all. But you tailor the playbook in what you already have in your system that fits him. And if they do that and he can avoid throwing it to the wrong color jersey, then I still think they're going to be fine offensively. There are a ton of weapons. We know that. you got to make sure they're utilized the right way. He's got to have time to find plays, and then when he gets the time, he's got to make the right read. He's capable of that. They're capable of that. they got to go do it. And I know people hope, as you were saying, that this is a more tailored offense to his strengths, yeah. more play action, possibly setting things up further on into the game for him. And one, one question, and I legitimately don't know the answer to this, you may or may not. But when Lane Kiffin was the offensive coordinator, he was on the field. And I, we know that because we saw him getting his ass chewed oftentimes sure. by Nick Saban. Is there any reason in particular Tommy Reese is in the booth versus being on the field, being able to talk directly to a young quarterback? You know, there, were, there are some coaches that like to be up top. Yeah. There are, you know, and I think Coach Saban likes to give them the opportunity to do that. I... That's an interesting question because I have, I've heard Coach talk about it. I've seen it with other coaches as well. I know everybody's different, We're, as you were saying. They, yeah. they are different. I remember one instance in particular back uh, 25 years ago plus when I was the sideline guy for UAB football. They're playing at Virginia Tech. It was before Michael Vick was there, but it was one of those first great Virginia Tech teams. It may have even been the one – uh, that a year or two years later would beat Alabama in the Music City yeah. Bowl. So it's around that era. I'm just giving a time reference. I'm on the sidelines. UAB's up there. It's early in their D1 career, first year of their D1 existence. And Bill Clay was the defensive coordinator, veteran guy, been around a long time. He was always up top. Weren't a ton of people on the sidelines at UAB. No. Weren't a ton of people traveling. So it was kind of quiet. You could hear pretty well. They're down 14 to nothing about the time the national anthem has ended. And they have scored two touchdowns on probably no more than five plays. I hear Watson on the headset, Bill, you better get down here. Your boys are wide-eyed. <laughs> and sure enough, it's five minutes later or less, I see Bill Clay hoofing it, you know, down behind the sideline, coming there to be on the – or behind the end zone to get to the sidelines where he talked to him. That team needed it. Yeah. I don't know yet if that's something. There's so many assistants. There's so many guys that work with them. I don't know, frankly, who that is because I haven't been on the sidelines. But you've given me something to definitely look for because I think you can accomplish what you're talking about. I don't know that it has to be Tommy Reese. It makes sense. But the other dynamic that Nick Saban's working with, you've got a young quarterback 
although he's been there in his third year now, he's still a young, as the starter, inexperienced guy. Tommy Reese ain't that old. No. And he hasn't been in this situation, this circumstance. He has been the coordinator, but he hasn't been Nick Saban's quarterback, uh, coordinator. And so I think there's the learning curve there of what works best for him. Is it having the physical separation from coach? Or does coach need to be directly in his face talking to him and expressing what he wants done? I'm sure there's plenty of that in practice, meeting rooms, all of that. But I think we'll find out soon if that's going to change on game day. Great question, though. Not going to beat a dead horse because, and I just want to quickly address it, but three upperclassmen on the offensive line. Mm -hmm. The snaps have been inconsistent from center, some low, some high. We've oftentimes found ourselves on the wrong side of the line of scrimmage. It feels like all too often. Do you anticipate a change in personnel, or do you just anticipate, as they were saying earlier, better execution when we go out this week? Tyler Booker's going to be back in all likelihood mm-hmm. at left guard, which is going to be a massive part of it. And the reason uh, that I think Caden Proctor looked lost at times he didn't have that veteran next to him. No. T.J. Ferguson's a good lineman. He's, he's got a great future. He doesn't have the veteran leadership experience that Ty Booker does. And Caden Proctor needed him next to him to help yeah. get him in the right spot, get him in the right situations. That was missing. And I think if you do indeed get Booker back, I think that will look better for Caden and different for Caden this week, even though you're going to be playing a much better defense in Ole Miss Mm -hmm. than what you faced in South Florida. Okay, we're going to shift over, talk a little bit about Ole Miss, because I almost feel like we're talking still about Alabama as much as we talk about Ole Miss because we know so much about Kiffin, Pete Golding. Um, But to talk a little bit about Lane, we know that Mm -hmm. he loves – to try and mix it up as much as he can. He loves to throw everything out there. He has a lot of confidence in his quarterback, Jackson Dart, right now. Yeah. We have seen that oftentimes if you can beat the safety, which has happened against Alabama's defense, bust the cover two, we know that Lane's going to be up-tempo. We know sure. he's going to try and go deep. Um but we also have seen him tie himself in knots because he wants this win so much. Because this could also be a career-defining win for Lane Kiffin. No, I agree. And he was so close his one year in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Um, pulling that off. and For he and Pete both, it's a huge ball game and a huge opportunity. Yeah. For their program, it's massive. Um, Bigger for him than it was for Hugh Freeze when he beat Alabama twice. Because Bama went on to win a national championship both years. Right. Hugh never got to Atlanta. That's the one piece of continuity that the Ole Miss situation has had. Not taking a shot, it's just fact. They've mm-hmm. never played never played Atlanta in the SEC championship game. And um, this is a year where if they win this ball game, I know it's week one in terms of the conference, all that, or the first for Alabama. This could really springboard them mm-hmm. to something 
they haven't done. That's why I don't think they'll play very well. That's why I think they'll be very tight. I think Alabama's going to play well and take care of business. I know what Vegas has said on this game, and there's a reason they have lots of shiny things there. Um, I just won't be stunned if Alabama has its best performance of the year so far. And I know that's not setting a very high bar, but I think they can do that or will do that. And this could be a very good game for Alabama and springboard them because I think there is so much on this right now for Ole Miss. Pete Golding ran Nick Saban's defense when he was here in Tuscaloosa. Now he's running Pete Golding's defense. How much of a difference? Because obviously players know Pete Golding. Yeah. They they know his play calling. They know what he does. Will it be drastically different than what we had seen under Nick Saban? I don't know, but I, I do know he had some great players um, to run that with at Alabama. He's got some great athletes at Ole Miss. You know, when you're driving your dad's car, it can be a better car, but you're kind of nervous driving dad's car because it's dad's and you're worried about wrecking it and when you're scared you're you're not really driving at your best when it's yours and instead of driving the Rolls Royce you're you're driving a really nice high end but step down vehicle that's yours that you're comfortable with Sometimes you just drive better. I think he's going to drive this one a little bit better. I don't think Pete's a terrible coordinator. I think he made some mistakes. Um, and again, saw this with Mal Moore when he was Gene Stallings' coordinator and also when he was Coach Bryant's coordinator. Nobody was going to blame Coach Bryant, so they blame Mal. Uh, it's a whole lot easier to blame. Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding than it is Nick Saban. I'm not saying they didn't have their faults. I'm just saying that you're going to get more criticism for those guys than you are for the the head man, and he'll yeah. tell you that it's all his responsibility. But there's a reason those two guys aren't in Tuscaloosa anymore. It wouldn't be playing Lane Kiffin if we didn't have something that would seem to distract from what's actually going to happen on the field. Because Monday, we heard that he had evidence or he had reason to believe that it wasn't actually Kevin Steele calling in the defenses, that it was Coach Robinson calling in the defenses. And unprompted, Nick Saban addresses this in his opening comments on Monday, saying, I don't know what you've heard. That is categorically untrue. Mm -hmm. Kevin Steele is a man. And then, of course, Lane can't let that go, he has to come back and again affirm that he has reason to believe this. Is it Lane being Lane? Is it a red herring? Or is there any validity to it? It's always tough to tell with anything that Lane says because I think he's got genuine affection and appreciation for Coach. Lane can't help himself though either. He will say and do and more so say these days from what I understand than the doing part. But he will still say things that get himself in, not going to get in hot water for what he says in regards to that, but it, it does, as you say, draw the attention. Mm-hmm. Not always positive. 
And I think um, maybe getting into semantics a little bit, you know, Kevin Seals calling it. T-Rob is maybe signaling things in from down there. He probably has input. Kevin Seals defensive coordinator, and he's a good one, a really good one. But also you've got some new pieces with a new guy in charge of it that you're going to have some mistakes. But this is a team that, good Lord, if it wasn't for the defense, it would have been really ugly against Texas. Last week they were fantastic. So whatever the situation is, it's working pretty well. So, again, it's anything Lane says is always talked about, but this week especially, it gets magnified probably tenfold, and that's why you've had so much talk about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's also, I think, probably the only coordinator that they've ever left behind uh, when the bus is rolled out. There's that. and um, At least that we know of. One of the best memes that I've ever seen, when he had been let go, he'd already taken the Florida Atlantic job. And it's the week of the national championship game. And Coach says, you know, why don't you just go ahead. And there was a meme where, um, from the movie Friday. Yes. Where uh, Chris Tucker, I always get it confused, Ice-T or Ice Cube? That was Ice Cube. That was Ice Cube, thank you. I know the difference in two, but I could always get Ice Cube. Ice Cube has gotten fired. Remember, they're sitting on the porch. Mm-hmm. Chris Tucker goes, how are you going to get fired on your day off? <laughs> Great meme was Lane Kiffin there as Ice Cube going, how are you going to get fired yeah. from a job you've already quit? And he had. Yeah. And he got let go. Told your services are no longer needed. He can't help it. He couldn't help himself. Sometimes with actions as well as words before from what I understand, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because I, re- I don't know definitively, but I know people that know him well. And they say the actions are a lot different. The mouth, eh, it's still lame. Yeah. And that could cause a lot of problems. Or at least draw a lot of attention, which in his spot is probably not a bad thing. No, I was going to say sometimes any attention is good attention. As long as they spell the name right. And, uh, yeah. Okay, so this weekend you will be back... In doing pregame, doing interview a pregame with coach. interview with coach, and then I will hang out, watch the game, and then do the postgame show with him, the TV show yeah. with him, which is done postgame. Uh, who did you piss off at ESPN that they're going to give you the eight, eight o'clock kickoff next weekend in, in Starkville? In Starkville, uh, boy, the list of people I piss off—that's a lengthy one. It grows I just by the when day. I heard the kickoff times because they were talking about. How it was an odd odd scheduling of kickoff times that then, yes, we go over to Starkville. Where That's one like, of those wow. where um, I hope it's a big Alabama win. Yeah. They take care of business. We'll get out of there pretty quick with Coach. And if I can get in the car pointed towards, probably spend the night in Tuscaloosa or they yeah. come all the way back to Birmingham. So if I can get the car pointed back, by 12.30, I'll be a happy man. I always remembered when I worked in TV, I would be still sitting there, especially on road games, getting stuff, satellite trucks sent off, and I would look at my watch and I would think, those players and coaches are already back in Tuscaloosa right mm-hmm. now. The wheel, they've gone wheels up to wheels down. Yeah. I'm just sending in my last stuff. 
we still have to pack up and drive home. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, gosh, that seems like a not. A, a, yeah. But however, I had not been out on the. I had been out in the field, but not doing what they had been doing for the past three and a half hours. Right. But some long it's days. It's a long. <clears throat> it's a long night. It makes Sunday that much more difficult for them, and the recuperation and all of that. Um, they're young. They'll manage it. Player-wise, coaches, it's it's a grind. It's tough, but you know we'll get out of there and get some rest, and then point everything towards College Station after that because that's that's back-to-back road games. That's a lot of maroon to see in consecutive weeks. But Bama will see that on the road. But those will mean a lot more if they can find a way to get it done against Ole Miss in are that ball game Saturday. Are you regimented on game day as to how you do things? Uh, not really. I mean, it varies for me. Uh, if it's a night game, I've got some things that I normally try to do around home. Yeah. Um, You're not going to drink a big gulp, I would imagine, uh, like no. shortly before. No, I will not do that. And it's it, very good. Well. Uh, yeah, I will limit the hydration. It's why I've got the mints that I always keep in the back of the mouth so that I can keep the mouth moist, but I don't have to worry about drinking and Ask them if they can call timeout so I can run yeah. the restroom. Well, and it's funny. So I, a friend of mine, he he had gotten his pilot's license, and he was older, and he had an index card in the seat behind that if something ever happened to him, it was going to tell his wife how to land the plane. The cheese. And I, I was thinking, like, I wonder if there's an index card in the booth that if for some reason you ever have to leave, that Tyler can land the plane or bring the broadcast in if he were to have to do it. Brian Passink used to joke that if anything ever happened to me, he's got a pair of scissors so he can cut his microphone because <laughs> he said, I'm not about to try. Not going to bring this baby I'm in. I'm not <laughs> going to try to do this. We're just going to go ahead and end it right here. I'm cutting the phone line. I'm cutting the Ethernet connection now. It's what it is. I'm cutting my headset. He goes, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Okay. So it probably falls on Stipe these days for that, but no, if it's... Uh, well, the the advantage we have there, it, now with our crew, in all seriousness, if something were to to happen, the break glass in case of yeah. emergency, guys, Roger Hoover, who's done play-by-play a million times, and it would never miss a beat. Roger, we throw it to you. Roger. We're going to ask you to bring it home. It's there. And then do the it Roger, Roger. There. That's it. Um, What's your over-under? Okay, so speaking of over-under, I am curious, do you see Alabama scoring, let's say, more than 21 this weekend. Yeah, I do. I really do. I think they're, I think they're going to play really well offensively. I mean, think about this now. They played, and I know Ole Miss is better defensively than South Florida, but Alabama played about as bad as you would think yeah. they could play offensively. Had some big things in the run game in the second half, especially in that final drive. But they are not going to play as poorly offensively as they did last weekend. So, yeah, I think any, I think something north of 24, maybe north of 30 is realistic. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to go pie in the sky, but I just I think that's what they can do. And because Ole Miss is going to play with tempo, I think it's going to give a chance yeah. for more success for Alabama as well. We've got a 2.30 kickoff this weekend, yeah. and we can listen to you pregame. We can listen to you, of course, on the Nick Saban show and then the next two games on the road. Uh, but, of course, if, when anyone wants to find you when they can't hear you, they can always find you at? In jail. No, no I'm sorry. That's I'm some, sorry. That's I misunderstood thing. the question. No. 
Uh, I'm kidding. It's uh, ChrisStewartOnline.com is the okay. website. It's got a link from there for all the social media platforms that I'm on, just like everybody else. We've got them for Twitter, X, whatever they're calling it this week, Instagram, um, Facebook as well. They're all available. ChrisStewartOnline.com. Don't forget the two S's between the end of the first name and the start of the last. That's always tough. Two S, Chris. Two S, Chris. Not not Chris, two S's, but Chris (laughs) Stewart. Online. Now you've thoroughly confused everyone, I'm so just look for ChrisStewartOnline.com. Well. That's right. Type it multiple ways till you find me. Okay. And they can get a custom Roll Tide from you if they were to need it to... Absolutely. Uh, I will be glad to customize Roll Tide okay. within well, FCC guidelines. Well, for Chris Stewart with two S's, I am <laughs> Kelly Hunter with two L's, and we look forward to seeing you next week on Respect the Process. <laughs>